Well, good to see you guys again. It's been a minute since I've seen some of you, and some of you are new. Um, special welcome to you. Look at this guy. Oh, look at this one. Here she comes. Yeah. Hi. <laughs> nice to meet you. Hi. All right. All right, well, we'll pray and then we'll jump in. Father, thank you so much for uh, what we got to hear today of your word, Jesus, of your words as you speak and as you relay just the very words of God of truth and grace. Thank you for the distinctions that were made uh, during the sermon. I, I was struck and convicted in some ways, and I thank you so much for that. Um, I thank you for um, to the power your word has in the human heart. Uh, so as we meet here together, uh, may you edify us by that very same word that we've heard. And thank you for everybody in the room. Thank you for faces that we haven't seen for a moment. Thank you for um, the unity we get to enjoy out of your word being preached. And as we have a common faith that's developed in that and a common struggle as we go forth in the world, encouraging one another by what you say. And thank you for just for the power of your word. Um, we pray for those who aren't here with us, for, for um, the health concerns that they have. We miss our brothers and sisters who we haven't seen for a moment or talking to for a moment. Uh, may they be encouraged by us this week as we come out from here. And we pray for understanding um, as we speak and as we hear and as we live. It's for your wonderful name. We pray these wonderful things. Amen. All right. So. Yeah, we got to hear a wonderful sermon today from Leonard. He did a great job. I love the, the how he laid all that out. I didn't get to talk to him much this week, but he that was wonderful to come in on a Sunday morning, see those distinctions, and see the how faithful to the word that we've been and are growing in. So um, we are in Luke chapter 14, um, as we, we began today, and we'll go to verse 14. All right. One Sabbath. We're talking, or starting in verse 1. Um, one Sabbath, so we're on the Sabbath again, and when he, when he went to dine at the house of a ruler of the Pharisees. All right, so again, he's in a dinner setting, as Leonard mentioned today, um, and they were careful, and they were watching him carefully. So Jesus is always the object of uh, suspicion, uh, especially in, when the Pharisees are around and the, the, the religious individuals they're watching him and the the Pharisees were a group of men who they they developed over time out of um, not seeing their nation live up to the standard of God's law so in their head they thought that they could even bring in the Messiah through living uh, according to every bit of the law and so they were very um, um, starched group of people uh, overall who now they have the Messiah before them and there's some irony in all this as well and so and behold there was a man before him who had dropsy now they're in this dinner setting again they're trying to uh, kind of catch him in something he's saying he's not they, he doesn't quite act like they do and so they're a little suspicious of him throughout this book and this is the third time that Jesus is about to heal on a Sabbath. It's once in chapter 6, once a few chapters ago, and here again. This is like the time number three, and I love this. 
Um, there's this man who has dropsy. Dropsy itself is not a disease, it's a symptom of a disease. It's a, it's a swollenness where water, ga water gathers to a place in the body. You can get this from normal pregnancy, uh, or you can get this from some various other um, condition that you might have. Um, and so some, sometimes it gets so bad that you, you, you might see people out in public who they can't wear pants because their ankles are so swollen, if you've, if you've seen it. Uh, it's a hard thing to live with. And I was reading in a commentary, R.C. Sproul, and he thinks it could be possible, and I'll just put a possible before it, that the Pharisees, in order to trip Jesus up, because uh, might have went out and just saw someone who was obviously sick and invited him in so that they might, they might catch Jesus healing on the Sabbath uh, as he's done twice before and kind of maybe a three strikes you're out kind of thing because you know that the Pharisees are talking there. They want to get him out of here um, in any way, shape, or form. Last week they said, um, uh, Herod wants you dead, so you better leave. So they, they'll resort to anything just to get him out. They want him out, they'll, they'll, they'll say anything as long as he gets out. He's disturbing their way of life. He's, he's there in the process of being humbled um, every time Jesus is around. And Jesus responded to the lawyers and the Pharisees saying, so before they could say anything, this time Jesus speaks to them first. He's like saying, kind of saying, guys, we've been at this for a while. And Jesus responded to the lawyers and the Pharisees saying, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? Okay, so this is their third bout, as we've said, with Jesus in this matter of healing on the Sabbath. But they remained silent. He confronts them before they can confront him. Then he took him, the man who had dropsy, and healed him and sent him on his way. All right, so we saw last week, he's not scared of Herod. And he's definitely not scared of the Pharisees. And he said to them, which of you having a son or an ox that has fallen into a well on a Sabbath will not immediately pull him out? And they could not reply to these things. Some of the Pharisees were so rigid in their keeping of the law that they neglected basic human needs when the Sabbath was made for man's needs, his rest, his recuperation, his restoration. So in asking them this question, he's saying, what are you gonna say to your son or think of your animal that fell into a well or into a ditch on the Sabbath? And he's sorry, you picked a bad day to fall into a well, so I'll see you tomorrow or something. Their Sabbath, withheld the love of God from man. But God's Sabbath was instituted to share, to open his hands of love to man. They withheld it, what God would give them. It was for their replenishment. Jesus says elsewhere, the Sabbath was given to man. It's, it's, it's from God, it's where God serves man. It's where we rest and trust in God that everything that we're not doing today is going to be fine. He's carrying us to tomorrow. Verse 7. Now he told a parable to those who were invited. This is the, the, this is the first of four mentions of this invited, this invitation, this invitationalism. Um, 
Now he told a parable to those who were invited. So he's talking to the guests. And he does this. When he noticed how they chose the places of honor, saying to them, when you are invited, second, by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in a place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. And he said, and he who invited you both will come and say to you, give your place to this person. And then you will begin to, with shame to take the lowest place. So in this setting, um, back in the day, there would be these U-shaped couches, all right? Uh, where everybody would come and that's where they would recline and that's where they would eat, that's where they would visit, that's where they would speak. Um, and right where, like at the end of the U, uh, right here is where the guest of honor sat. And if you were at the ends of the couches, that was the place of uh, dishonor. So you knew you couldn't sit at, uh, at the head of the table, in the middle, uh, and, you knew, and you didn't want to sit at the very end in this thinking. Okay? So there would be this mad scramble to find the places between those two places, between the lowest and the highest. And if you could get in the highest place that you were, uh, that was proper for you, then, then you were comfortable, satisfied with yourself, and you feel good. You know, this is, I can sit here. Until somebody else came along. And Until, yes. And it's kind of like Jesus is saying, he's really, he's not, he's not talking about table situations. He's talking about the pride of man. He's, he's talking to the heart of man. Jesus, uh, through any given situation, is always trying to address the thing behind the thing, okay? So he's, 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 Jesus is always attacking, comforting, or convicting the human heart, okay? So he's, he, he, he's moving to the thing behind the thing, and he's diswiring someone who's really good with cutting wires in a bomb. That's what Jesus is doing. He's diswiring a few wires of human pride to try to sit at these places so that we don't think more highly of ourselves than we ought. As we read in Philippians, not to think more highly of ourselves than we ought, um, but to uh, have an other mind to ourselves, uh, other, like, an otherness within our thinking. Like We're not focused on what we can get, what we can uh, acquire, what we can, uh, how we can build ourselves up. We're most interested, we'll take the low spot. He's trying to protect us from all the harm that um, thinking too highly of ourselves causes in our lives. Because we, 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 if you notice about when times when, and we never see ourselves thinking too highly of ourselves in the moment, but in the rear view, it's like, oh man, there it was. It's coming up all the time. And he says this, give your place to this person in the lowest place. But in verse 10, but when you are invited, go and sit in the lowest place so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Okay, so our pride puts us in places where we can only be demoted from. Our humility puts us in places where we can only be promoted. You see the difference? Pride puts us in a place where we think we deserve to be in our minds, and so we can only be humbled because God knows that um, true situation of where we belong. But if we start in the humble place, we'll be brought up. So the kingdom of God is, it, it, it functions like this. You want to become more, then make yourself less. You want to become something, make yourself nothing first. That is not the message of the world. 
Which is good. Rich. And yeah. again, it's opposite of the world. Everything the world tells us is completely opposite. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, the world tells us if you graduate from college, you're something. If you, you know, may have a nice house, you're something. If you, yeah. whatever, you're something. Total opposite. Yeah, the kingdom, upside down kingdom. That's how it operates. Yeah, Joe. Rich, uh, if someone calls us down because we're being recognized to go forward, and no, I'll just stay where I'm at. Is that false humility, would you say? And I guess every situation is relative. And needs out, you just go ahead and go out, but that doesn't mean that you're blowing your horn. But mm -hmm. if you just say, oh, no, I'm not, I don't want to go forward because, you know, I yeah. want to be humble. That could be false, couldn't it? If you don't move forward, yeah, there's when, false they humility. You, when they call I'm just asking, yeah. I don't know. If someone does call you out to go forward because you're being recognized as a... Right. And the person says, I'll just stay where I'm at, I'm fine. Mm -hmm. uh, that could be false, couldn't it? It could be, I mean... You know what I'm getting yeah. at, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I mean, well, it's all about <laughs> attitude. Yeah. It's what our attitude is. But there's nothing wrong in going forward if you if you no. they put yourself in yeah. the middle. He says, honor those who you're supposed to honor. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that you treat them as gods. Right. But you recognize right. them right. for their work. Don't you think, mm -hmm. too, Not that honoring story. someone for their service in yes. the Lord and honoring yes. someone for, you know, like we help, every, you know, that's different than honoring someone just because they make a lot of money. Exactly. Or honoring someone because they think they've done this good deed or whatever, but it was. I think that's a difference. Like if someone would call you up and say, you know, hey, Joe, you know, thank you for the service. You did this, this, and this for some of our elderly here. Yeah. You did whatever. That's totally different than them saying, wow, yeah, Joe, you got a great job at GM. Yeah. Proud of you, Joe. I mean, yeah. right? That has nothing to do with it. Yeah. Do you, is that right? Yeah. Um, that's how I look at it. Like, I don't want to be honored for I went to college. That has nothing to do with why I should be honored. Or One of the things that, like, in the, in the, in the, the rapid fire commands that Paul gives in Romans 12, once he gives this whole letter of doctrine, he gets to Romans 12 and then he starts telling us what to do with it all. He says, outdo one another in honor. Now, honor is good, honor is selfless. But there's a bad kind of honor that's not really honor at all, it's called flattery. Flattery always has an agenda. <laughs> yes. Where it, so whereas honoring somebody and encouraging somebody is selfless. Encouraging somebody, selfless. Flattery, you're seeking to get something. You're not you can't you're not seeking to get anything for yourself. You just want to encourage someone and build them up with, again, with honoring them. The fake honor. I mean that's what they want, the fake the fake honor. Mm -hmm. What'd you say Romans what? I'm gonna write it down. It's it's in Romans twelve. Okay. It's uh somewhere in that yeah, that's okay. list. I just want to mark it. Yeah, it says he's, it'll say outdo one another in showing honor. It's like be hungry for this. Be, fill yourself up with selflessness, if, you, if that makes sense. It doesn't, it's like a good oxymoron. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you have a other focus. You're not like, you know, look, get out of the mirror and look out the window, you know. In, in, in any of the good things that we might find ourselves doing, 
because we're fallen people, there is going to be a tinge, a hint of self-aggrandizing thinking within the things that we do. Nothing we do is completely selfish. Praise God that he sent his son who never sinned, who is completely uh, who was completely devoted to his ministry for his God, for his people's good. Like, like everywhere where I find myself doing things for the wrong, re wrong reason for a, and, and not keeping tabs on my own motives um, and trudging forth, hoping to get some kind of, because like I, see my, I see myself in the, the heart of, more of the heart of the Pharisees than the heart of Christ in me as I read this. It's so good for me to feel that conviction that I'm always trying to avoid when it's the power of it's taken away and you really see, you can savor the gospel of Jesus Christ so much better when you get yourself out of the way. So much of this teaching is leaving uh, from one end of the gospel to the other, is, not, is leaving us with nothing in ourself to hold on to so that we can better grab Christ. And... So this humility here. We empty our hands of pride because our exaltation does not come from us. I probably should have read the verse first. Here's the verse. <laughs> um, friend, move up higher. I love that verse. Friend. That's how he sees this humble person. They're called friend. I don't think the person who sat in the high seat who asked to be demoted had a title at all. He just comes and he's addressed this one, friend, he starts it off with a title. I think that's significant. Friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table. There's a glory that we will receive from the Lord that far surpasses any glory we might receive from each other here. And what a good loving brother and sister does is try to get us to look at that glory. Um, there's something about the power of a father saying good job than a stranger saying good job has. There's something about our heavenly father saying good job to us and giving us that cosmic affirmation that we all are hungry for that does something to our souls that mere encouragement, I don't, not that any encouragement is mere With our encouragement that we're giving to each other, we're giving little snapshots of that greater heavenly Father God encouragement, validation, and affirmation. One day we'll receive that, and we have little tastes of it until we get there. So it's so important for us to be encouraging each other. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and everyone who humbles himself will be exalted. So we empty our hands of our pride because our exaltation does not come from us. Nothing we have done to, um, we have done nothing to put ourselves in the kingdom. We've only done things to be worthy of being thrown out of it. So how gracious this God who comes and gives us a seat at the table and then even moves us up. Hey Rich, last week you mentioned about mistaken you made the comment you didn't understand about the first and the last and that's yeah. what happens when you're humble you're exalted Christ exalts us 
In other words, we're last here, but we'll be first there. And just getting in the door of eternal life, yeah. we'll all be exalted. So that's where the first and the last comes in. People want recognition. They want to be first now. You know, they got their education. They got their certificate. They got, they did their work, and they get the front seats. Mm -hmm. Christ didn't come that way, and that's what threw everything off. Yeah. That, that's the way the culture is. Christ says, "Those who will be last will become first. Just to get inside to eternal life. Not that we're going to have." the higher recognition in heaven, just mm -hmm. to get in the door, we'll all be exalted that, that came in last, you know, yeah. like we weren't recognized. Yeah, okay. That's, yeah. that's what I get from the first and the last, and that's what the, I think Christ is talking about when it comes to humility or uh, greatness. Mm -hmm. I think it's good, too, that when he said this about, you know, your friends sit in the last, and then you'll be maybe moved up, and then right after that he says, but stay humble. So it's not sit in the last space and know in your heart, oh, they're going to pick me, they're going to pick me, they're going to pick yeah. me. He's saying don't go in it with that type of heart. Be humble, and if they don't pick you, be okay with that too. Yeah, you could be in the last seat and still believe you should be in the first yes. one. and I think that's why. Yeah, and I think that's why he put me, me, me play humble. Yeah. <laughs> that could mm -hmm. be a faith then, huh? Right. How many of us is that last one? Oh, they're going to pick me. Yeah. I'm going to be in that group. Or they make me popular. Or they pick you and move you to a place of honor, and you're sitting in that. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, you right. know, how you forget your heart. It should be a prayer of ours for our humility the last to, to outmatch our highness of seating. Yeah. Some people have a long line of recognition. Mm -hmm. I think that's okay. Just what happened to the ones that don't have an obituary? They didn't, I guess the ones who would like write their own obituary that's really long is <laughs> yeah. the one I'd kind of be able to suspect of. Yeah. But anyways, I, I'm amazed by some of the long ones. Yeah, some people, I mean, God granted I mean, them such a full life. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, 
I'm amazed by obituaries on what, what a lot of stuff is being said. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't know that, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Paul didn't need one. Paul, no, he had. No. Uh, How old was he when he passed? The Apostle Paul? Seven. Oh, Paul Hyman. Sorry. Uh, he probably passed in better health than I am currently in. That guy was a healthy man. Yeah. A lot yes. of people didn't know that he played tennis till up till about a year ago. Jeez. Oh, wow. But he could have had it in the obituary, you know, and I said, wow. Yeah. yeah. I remember I heard how old he was, and uh, yeah, that was I was like, I know, I thought it was Whether he had the biggest funeral in the world or no funeral at all. Yeah. You're dead. Missionaries won't leave. Yeah. They want to stay in hell. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. That's well, we should remember to pray for them before we leave. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's, no, that's great. They're here in the hospitals. But they're doing it voluntarily. They're not, <coughs> not running away from the danger. No. I think what's good about this conversation is, is we're bringing it to today's culture. Mm-hmm. Not back then, like today's culture. We're already advanced. We don't do those things, but we do. Yeah. As far as Elevating ourselves. Mm-hmm. Can I say well, Yeah. I What's your name? I'm sorry. Kathy. 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 Gotcha. I'm okay. Okay. Our God died for us, we live for him. You cannot back down the evil. I just thought that was amazing. Yeah. 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 To see that there's people that still have that faith that are going to stay there. Yeah, that's a little like a tent pole under people's faith around to hear about that story. Like in the midst of, the reality is, I mean, the world's always terrible like this. It just makes itself more obvious at certain pockets when we see wars and big cultural events and shifts and moments and events and uh, just kind of reveals some things and when people stand, when Christians stand firm, we get to see the light of the world, you know, in the light of the world. Jesus is the light of the world and he says we are the light of the world. He only says we are because he is and he moves into us. And so he's clearly seen uh, when the world gets very dark. Let's, you know, let's uh, finish out these uh, brief verses. So this is lots more to say about what we just went, but let's go here. Um, Before we say this, Jesus has a special place in his heart for the poor. And that poor doesn't mean depraved of money or financial circumstances. Sometimes it does in scripture. Um, Here, it's going to. But there's a, there's, a, there's a poverty of spirit for the humble. Remember, humility is not thinking less of yourself and kind of dogging yourself. It's thinking of yourself less 
think that's C.S. Lewis who said that, and we've said that in here before too. But Jesus has a special place in his heart for people who know in their heart how much they need him. And so there, there's, there's a little bit of that behind this, and I want to say that going into it. He said to the, to the man who had invited him, all right, so he just talked to the guest, and now he turns and says to the host, who would have been in the place of honor uh, at the table. Usually the host at the party was in a place of honor, was in the, who sat at the back of the table in the middle of the couch. He said to the man who had invited him, when you give a dinner or a banquet, when you do something like this, is what he's saying, when, you, when, when we're in the situation that we're in, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. So there's not an evening out of accounts that can happen. That's how we treat each other. You bought me a cheeseburger, I owe you a cheeseburger. And we even out accounts. Um, he's saying don't have that thinking because we've received far more from God than we could ever, we could never even have account balances with him. And so that opens up to serve the full spectrum, not just the ones we're comfortable with or, or those we deem worthy of receiving our service. Lest they, all invite, lest they also invite you back and be repaid. But verse 13, but when you give a feast, invite the poor and the crippled and the lame and the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. There's some Proverbs that talk about this. It's almost like by this statement, he's preaching the Proverbs in some spots. So Proverbs 9, you don't have to go there in your Bibles, but if you want to write them down, I'll say them. Proverbs 19, 17 says this, whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord. He will repay him for his deed. It's exactly what Jesus just said. Proverbs 22, verse 9, says this. Whoever has a bountiful eye will be blessed, for he shares his bread with the poor. So with his wealth, he doesn't seek to be satisfied with himself. He seeks, they seek, this person seeks to share they know that they're blessed so that they can bless others. And Proverbs 28, 27. This is more for the next part when we get back into the book of Luke, but I'm going to cite it either way. 28, 27 says, Whoever gives to the poor will not want, but he who hides his eyes will get many a curse. Whoever gives to the poor will not want. We find, Leonard talked about this today, when we're serving, we find ourselves being served. We don't do it for that, but we experience as a result of that. We serve for no other reason than for the good of another and for the glory of the Lord. I don't think much more about serving needs to be said than that, really. For the good of another, for the glory of the Lord. That's the heart. That's what serving at its heart is. Um, but you find yourself satisfied along the way as you as you do this. 
not that you feel good about yourself. There's a little bit of that, and I think some of that's okay. Because it gives you confidence, not self-confidence, but faith in Christ. There's something about pleasing. We make it our aim to please God. And when we find ourselves fruitful in that, we find ourselves filled by Him. It's actually a, a subtle weapon against pride within us. This good blessing that has a that subdues our parts of in us, the parts within us that we kind of try to rise up within ourselves. and I appreciated you bringing back you went back to uh, Proverbs or Ecclesiastes the, the Lord didn't just say it off the top of his head what he said here in Luke 14 mm -hmm. he quoted the Old Testament that, that's the word of God this and is I, a hyperlinked I like, text I like yeah. that because it wasn't somebody that just come off well that's what you do yeah. he quoted scripture and you quoted it as well in the Old Testament and I thought that was good well it's all his word. He's quoting himself. Really, <laughs> all scripture comes from God. Yeah, that's yeah. That's exactly right. That is exactly right. He said it before he was born, and he's saying it as he lives. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this man, Jesus Christ. Who will let's go to in prayer? Lord Jesus, thank you for your word that accomplishes things within your church that. It doesn't accomplish anywhere else. And you know, we're a people who get to know the Lord of all. And he is our Lord, and we say so with glad hearts. There's some begrudging submission in all of us. May you grant us the grace of pulling us out of that and into glad submission where it's not weighty, where it's not, where we're glad to pay the cost of what it is to follow you. And we see how much we've received from you so that we, 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 we can, it takes the complaint out of our mouth of complaining of what we do for you. Thank you for you, you, I pray that you would satisfy the souls of these who are here, my own as well, and we were able to operate, um, as Leonard said, in grace and truth. You came, Lord Jesus, speaking grace and truth. May these always be coupled in our thinking Father, we pray for those saints who are in persecuted parts of the world now or in um, heavy, strenuous parts of the world, such as Ukraine. Pray for their leaders. In some way, shape, or form, you would grant them wisdom. Paul puts that on the top of his list. Pray for our leaders. Rather, they know you or not, we do pray that they would come to a knowledge of Jesus Christ and your gospel would move forward. And where Christianity is persecuted or where uh, the most, it always thrives. And so if that should take place, may we be prayerful in that thriving uh, for our brothers and sisters who we may not meet here, but we'll spend eternity with, with our God. You encourage your church. May the church here um, be humbled and, and walk being grateful for what we have and may you grant us, you've done the ultimate justice in the world, Lord. So, by everything that you accomplished on Calvary, may we take that message of forgiveness and reconciliation and hope 
into a world that is very dark and is in very much need and who doesn't even want it. But may it shine, regardless of all this, as it truly does. May you grant us the humility and power to want to be empowered. Better to be empowered than to be, better to be empowered than to be powerful. One is an illusion. So thank you for the authenticity of your one true gospel message and everything you are. In Jesus' name we pray.